We are tnholler.com at the tnholler on Twitter and Facebook. Subscribe. We are independent journalism site. We survive on your small dollar monthly donations. So all of that really helps. Thank you for your support. Today we're talking to Charlene from the Equity Alliance and Pooja from Lawyers Committee. How are you both doing today? Wonderful. Doing good. So the bottom line of what we're talking about today is we are in a pandemic. And during a pandemic, people shouldn't be coming together to touch the same thing repeatedly and being close to one another. There was an amendment in the legislature proposed by Gloria Johnson, emergency vote by mail for everybody, which seems to be the obvious thing to do. It seems to be something that shouldn't be a partisan issue. We just saw that Wisconsin had an election where 52 people supposedly now, maybe more, contracted the virus. I'm going to start with you, Charlene. First of all, tell us a little bit about the Equity Alliance, which I think most people that follow us are probably familiar with, and then your history with Secretary of State Trey Hart. Yeah, so the Equity Alliance, we are um, a nonpartisan nonprofit based in Nashville, but doing work statewide around civic engagement and power building, building independent Black political power in the state around um, issues that matter to Black folks, basically. Um, And we use our voting power as a mechanism to achieve uh, economic and racial equity um, in the state. So... That's why we focus a lot on voting rights because our our um, rights have always been suppressed in this country, and we got to start there to make sure that um, we have a voice in this democracy. So we've been around for about three years, four years in November. We've been rocking and rolling. Uh, one of the things you may know us for is the Tennessee Black Voter Project. Um, back in 2018. We launched that as a way to um, get more people involved in the 2018 midterms because it was exciting. Marsha Blackburn versus Governor Bredesen um, on the ticket and people really wanted to come out for that. And we were able to register 91,000 people across the state, something that really hadn't been done before in Tennessee. Our state legislature thought otherwise. <laughs> so they, you know, passed a law um, called the, you know, it was the voter registration criminalization law, basically that would have criminalized um, groups like mine to register um, voters in the state and would have had a chilling effect on democracy. But thanks to the Lawyers Committee, uh, we were able to fight that bill off and um, it got repealed just this past, um, maybe what, two months ago, maybe I think just this year it got repealed. Um, So all of those aggressive measures that were in the law got repealed um, by judge. So that wasn't that wasn't just a repeal. That was an excoriation. <laughs> Trey Hargett got taken to the woodshed over that. And so Pooja, so you guys have a history with that voter registration criminalization bill, which was a direct response to 91,000 Black voters or voters. It wasn't just Black voters, but the Black Project registering voters. Now you guys step in. Pooja, tell us about the Lawyers Committee and how you factor in here. First, thank you for having me uh, and having us, Justin. Um, So the Lawyers Committee, uh, we're the national branch and we're based in Washington, D.C. We have a very strong, obviously, legal arm where we work with, you know, powerhouses like Charlene uh, and and the groups, uh, local community groups in different states and provide technical assistance and legal help to these groups to really 
fight back when there's nothing else that they can do. And so I always describe legal action as a last resort. We bring legal action when organizing and all the other different types of engagement have not worked. Lawyers Committee obviously has the legal arm, but we then also have an organizing arm, which is called election protection. And we lead uh, the election protection project in mostly all 50 states with a cohort of more than 100 to 200 national and local partners. Personally, I'm an attorney with the Voting Rights Project, but I do a lot of technical assistance from the organizing end in Tennessee, and I also um, provide legal support when it comes to that. We at the Lawyers Committee have been working in Tennessee since I think the early 2000s when we first brought, helped the NAACP bring a redistricting case. And so that relationship has expanded. We've obviously started working with other groups now. Um, Equity Alliance has been one of our major allies in the state. And, you know, as you know, they do such impactful work. Charlene and, and her coworkers are responsible for that. Our involvement in 2019 came about when Charlene and uh, some uh, NAACP and, you know, Sekou Franklin of Democracy Nashville, who are all local activists, sort of brought it to our attention that there was a bill that was being basically railroaded, right, like passed really quickly in the legislature within a matter of a month or two months um, that criminalized voter registration and basically placed onerous criminal and civil civil penalties on groups like Charlene's were going out and registering people to vote. We thought that that was extremely burdensome, uh, violated the fundamental right to vote, violated their First Amendment right to associate and express themselves, and violated their First Amendment right to speech because there was one provision that basically said criminalized um, any kind of commu- public communication regarding voter registration. The vagueness of this law and the impact on disproportionately African-American groups and African-American voters that led us to uh, file a lawsuit on behalf of the Equity Alliance, the NAACP, Democracy Nashville, and um, the Andrew Goodman Foundation. And we ended up getting a favorable ruling in the preliminary injunction stage, uh, and then Lo and behold, the legislature ended up repealing that law and replacing it with another law, which we are vigilant about and are, you know, with the help of Charlene, who's obviously on the ground there, um, we're monitoring how that plays out. And so, you know, that's sort of been my involvement in Tennessee most recently. Um, the Campaign Legal Center and the Lawyers Committee have are working together to um, sort of expand, you know, the vote by mail regime and the system in Tennessee uh, to respond to the COVID-related emergency right now. The last issue, the voter registration criminalization, their first version was struck down. Now they have a new version. Seems to be a little more toothless, but still pointless. Mm -hmm. Clearly a direct response to the work that you did in 2018. My understanding about that is they never really talked to you about it. You had directives from the county, from the election commissions to turn in every form, and then they turned around and punished you for that. We're not going to get into that right now. Let's talk about voting in a pandemic. Republicans seem to want more people in fewer locations. That seems to be their solution. That was what they initially proposed in response to the tornado that hit Nashville. They basically said, we want to be able to combine precincts 
which is the exact wrong response when you're in a pandemic. Now we're in a pandemic and they don't seem to want to do anything to protect people. Charlene, what was the run up to this? And when did you make the decision? You know what, we're going to go ahead and sue. Yeah. You know, I started getting calls early on about, you know, what are we going to do about our elections? Just associates, colleagues, partners, even nationally, like, what are we going to do and how are we going to respond? And initially we were still in like tornado mode. We, we still have a whole campaign with don't sell out North. So initially I was like, well, I don't know. I can't focus on that right now, but I know we got to do something. And then um, it got a little bit more serious when time went by and it looked like, okay, we're going to be in the house for longer than we thought. We talked about, you know, how do we advocate? Like, what does that look like? Where is the levers of power? Conversations with Governor Lee. We sat in on a call with the State Election Commission. It wasn't even on the agenda. What's the plan to, you know, respond to the COVID crisis. Someone even had to like bring it up. That just kind of lets you know where their mindset is. Like getting them to take this pandemic seriously is like a challenge. Well, well let me ask you this though. Like, yeah. do you think that that's them not taking it seriously? Or do you think that that's them seeing an opportunity in doing nothing? We just do nothing and it'll deter people from voting. And we all know the unspoken truth is the more people that vote, the worse Republicans do in elections. So you know, this sort of played right into their voter suppression tactics and hands. And I guess I just sort of don't believe that they don't take this seriously. I think that they actually do, but they're seeing it as an opportunity. Is that something that you want to engage on at all? Certainly don't want to think that our elected officials are sitting around playing politics with people's health in their lives when literally people are dying. This virus does not discriminate rich, poor, black, white, immigrant or whatever. It is coming. It is in our communities and it's hurting Black folks a lot because of the underlying systemic racist, you know, health inequities that we already have in this country. We have to do something. If we're going to take precautions around businesses, we also need to do that for our elections as well. Absolutely. So Pooja, what does this lawsuit say? What's the demand? What are the chances of success? We're basically asking for a court order to first expand the vote by mail system and make sure that all eligible Tennessee citizens are able to vote by mail. Tennessee currently has excuse only uh, absentee ballot state. And so you can only vote if you qualify under one of 13 very narrow excuses. A very small percentage of the population can actually vote by mail. We've looked into the actions that multiple other states have taken. And, you know, you have Alabama, Delaware, Virginia, West Virginia, that their governors, their secretary of states are all expanding their vote by mail processes. They've issued executive orders. Secretary of states have issued directives saying that, hey, we are going to allow everybody in the population to vote by mail. The ask in Tennessee is simple. It's if all these other states are doing it, why don't you do it? We also have identified that uh, Tennessee provides no cure process for signature uh, verification. And so a lot, uh, so what happens is in 
the absentee ballot process. Normally in Tennessee, under current law, elections officials have to compare the signature on an absentee ballot with the signature that is on file for the voter. Is it a match or is it not a match? And if it's not a match, then they reject that ballot and they send a notice to the voters. Now, many other states have a cure process. Here they can just throw it out? Presumably the law is not clear on that. Um, and so presumably they can throw it out without, they send the voter a notice. But other than that, there is no procedure. There's no process guidelines as to how an election official should use their discretion to actually declare a match. Because we all know that signature matching is a very finger, even in you know the criminal justice space, right? Like signature matching is not a science. It's an art. I don't think my signature has ever been the same twice. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, you know. I write good. Uh, like um, when I'm at restaurants, I notice I write real good when I'm <laughs> but at home, right. not so much. I mean, I'll just draw a line on there half the time. Yeah, that's that's rough. What is like the law that you are pointing to that says they need to fix this? Is it in the Constitution somewhere? Where is it? Yes. So it is in the federal Constitution. All the claims are being brought under the United States Constitution. We're saying that, you know, by not providing a process the state is violating the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution, which is the right to procedural due process that uh, is recognized, you know, by the founding fathers. For the fundamental right to vote, we're saying that in not expanding the absentee ballot, the current statute, that is going to burden the fundamental right to vote of Tennesseans, which is protected under the First and Fourteenth Amendments of the United States Constitution. That seems to make sense, but we're not the only state that doesn't do this. So, wouldn't other states be doing this? Wouldn't like shouldn't there be some sort of joint lawsuit amongst a bunch of different organizations and states rather than just us? Sort of a bigger case to be made here that could be Supreme yeah. Court level? Yeah, potentially. We don't know how far, you know, if they were to appeal, depending on the ruling, it could go all the way up to the Supreme Court. It, it would affect, you know, precedent for all 50 states. The difficulty with our political process is that all 50 states, you know, are left to craft their election laws in the way that they want to. So that's where it gets sort of muddy and leaves it up to interpretation because number one, Tennessee, Tennessee laws are different from say Kentucky's or Alabama's or Georgia's, but even in Tennessee, like we leave all 95 counties to decide how they run their own elections. And so we just have, we don't have consistent ways that we go procedurally about our elections right. and our secretary of state sort of defers that power to county election commissions to decide for themselves. Right. Everybody defers to everybody. Governor Lee defers to Trey Hargett. Trey Hargett defers to the county commissions. I've called two election commissions in Tennessee, Williamson and Wilson, and they all say different things, you know, but the thing that they both agree on, which I sort of am empathetic with, is this would take time. So it seems like our, we have a primary in August. Every day that passes that we don't take the measures to do this, it's going to get harder and harder. Is this about this election? Is this about August and November? Or is this about the next time we have a pandemic having these processes in place? 
I mean, I think it's important for, you know, at least state officials to recognize that currently there are no processes in place for a pandemic. And hope, hopefully we never have a pandemic ever again. Nobody right. wants that. We have to think about it now. Maybe push the legislature to enact something, right, that's specific to a pandemic. Tennessee is not being singled out. There are lawsuits in multiple other states. Texas has a lawsuit. South Carolina has a lawsuit. This is a new frontier and- People are scared. <laughs> people are scared. Community groups that are coming to us and saying, hey, what do we do? Our people want to vote. How do they vote? We have two plaintiffs who have elderly, who have either health issues, severe health issues, or take care of elderly family members. They are not gonna be able to vote in person because they do not want to infect the their family members so following that category like i just think i i I mean you're kinder than i am i I just really think the people that we're dealing with see that as a feature not a bug i mean i don't think it's even a question and they have said this stuff out loud they have said that they believe the more people that vote the worse it is for republicans donald trump said it on fox news like less than a month ago the only way that we get things like this done which you've already shown is by suing and by taking it to the courts and which is exactly why they focused so much on the courts and tried to pack the courts and put so many judges in place to make the decisions that are in line with what they want. It seems like it shouldn't be a partisan issue. It's unconscionable to me that somebody would want power so badly that they're going to send people to their doom and destruction. It's outrageous. I'm really skeptical about any appeal to their better angels. I don't put nothing past them. The levels that they will go to, to make sure that they maintain power. Because let's remember, we're moving to a majority minority country. They are concerned about, you know, losing their status, whiteness being top of the hierarchy when it comes to, you know, our human race. The pandemic protesters, it's like this realization that we're losing our freedoms. We need to react in such a way that makes sure that we don't lose our way of life. It's all this anxiety around losing their way of life. Anything they can do to hold on to that power, it seems like they they will do it. And we and we need to exercise every tool in our toolbox to make sure that they don't take advantage of you know our government. I'm grateful that you all are doing what you're doing. I, it would never occur to me to like sue <laughs> confident enough to be like, you know what? I'm going to sue and take it to the courts and go through this whole thing. You've done it and won now. Like, what's that feeling like? Justin, this government belongs to us. They work for us. And this is what we have to get people to realize. They don't own government. <laughs> we do. We pay taxes. And so there are three branches of government. There are the courts, the executive branch, and the legislative branch. We don't use the courts enough because they've been able to get away with this stuff for so long <laughs> and nobody's holding them their feet to their feet to the fire. And we're going to do it. And what we've known from 2018, they don't prepare. They didn't prepare in 2018 when we had a competitive race and we dropped thousands of you know paper forms on their desks. They didn't prepare when we warned them. And so they're showing the same like pattern here. And so we're trying to get ahead of that to say, look, prepare for August and November. You have all the tools. You've been granted the money from the federal government and you still have HAVA money. Like you still, like you have the resources. 
stop sitting on your ass. <laughs> Just stop. Like we we wouldn't have to sue you. I appreciate that you're doing it. I'm rooting for you. How can people help? Can people help? I've called by the way, I've called Trey Hargett and Mark Goins and left messages probably close to 10 times in the last three weeks. I just keep calling them and I keep telling their people, like, I'm going to keep calling. They don't call me back. I'm not surprised by that. They are aware of who I am at this point, but I'm also a citizen. So that's not that cool, frankly. Do you expect them to engage on this? What do you expect from them and how can people help? I'm interested to hear from, you know, poll workers who are planning to work the August and November elections. I'm interested in hearing from our elderly and disabled population, anyone who has, you know, an underlying condition, um, anyone who might be fearful of going to vote. I'm, I'm looking to hear from you. We need to amplify your voice because we need to make this thing real to them, that there are people, more people than they think out here who are afraid to go vote, myself included. I am in that category. My son has asthma. And I'm not about to step out this house to expose him to that. We're all in some way impacted by this coronavirus, and I'm interested to hear those stories. But also, you know, we have a petition on our website. You can go to theequityalliance.org, sign that petition. That's how we are, we're, you know, letting people know that people are concerned about voting. So the more people sign it, we can turn those names in to Secretary Hargett and their um, legislator to let them know, like, look, you got people in your district that are concerned about this. So we can take those names and call your legislator. They go back into session June 1, and they need to hear from you that this is a concern that they need to be debating on the floor. Pooja, do you have any last words for us before we let y'all go? Such a clear nonpartisan issue. It's been said over and over again. It's not about Democrats. It's not about Republicans. It's lawyers committee is nonpartisan. And uh, it's just the most obvious thing to do for state officials. On that note, I see uh, just a couple of comments here. I see Monroe Relford saying mail-in or electronic voting can be done. This is 2020. I agree with them there. And then Lauren Sorensen says, we need to engage all the pregnant women out there who are scared to put their babies at risk. I want to say, you know, anybody who's watching this or who watches this after the fact, if you're afraid to vote for some reason or another, make a video on your phone, tell us why, send it to the tnholler at gmail.com and we will make a supercut of everybody telling us they're afraid to vote and why. And then we'll send that to Trey Hargett and Mark Goins. We'll put them up one by one. We'll make a supercut of them. Yeah. Make a video, the tnholler at gmail.com. Send it to us. Are you afraid to vote? Tell us why. And we'll help try to get the word out. And we'll send it to Charlene and Pooja and the Lawyers Committee and Equity Alliance. Follow them yeah. on Twitter. Like them on Facebook. Appreciate what you guys are doing. Please stay in touch and let us know. Okay. Thanks so much, Justin. Thanks, both of you. Tennessee. Woo! Yeah. Tennessee. To Tennessee.